This afternoon I preached to you the Word of God as the church summarizes and confesses this in Lord's Day 11 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Speaking of God, the Son and our redemption. It's page 526 in the book of praise, Lord's Day 11. Here the church confesses, why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? Because he saves us from all our sins, and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who seek their salvation or well-being in, the, in saints, in themselves, or anywhere else also believe in the only Savior, Jesus? No. Though they boast of him in words, they in fact deny the only Savior, Jesus. For one of two things must be true. Either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or those who by true faith accept the Savior must find in him all that is necessary for their salvation. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, heaven gave the order to Mary to name the child in her womb Jesus. It's Luke 1 verse 35. Joseph was also told by an angel in Matthew 1 verse 21, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Scripture teaches that Jesus would accomplish what his name means. When Jesus grew older and began to teach and preach, he proclaimed that if anyone wanted to have life and produce fruit that is pleasing to the Lord, they had to abide in him. The Son of God taught that although there may be others who were named Jesus or Joshua, when the name Jesus was given to him, it teaches two very important things. First of all, it teaches that God was pleased to send salvation to man through his son, whom he named Jesus. In the second place, it teaches that this salvation is found only in the child, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Peter later explained the unique significance of the name Jesus in a similar way when he explained to the rulers and elders of the Israelite people what we, we read on the wall here when we walked into church from Acts 4, uh, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. These two ideas are clearly explained in John 15. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under the following theme. It's from John 15 as well. Apart from me, Jesus explains, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And he explained this, he made this statement as he was talking about vineyards. And vineyards are very common in, in the Israelite scene. They could be seen everywhere. And the nice thing about vineyards is that the vines had these roots that went very deep into the ground so they could survive even when it became very dry, when the climate was very dry. And the vineyards, they would be planted, with the vines would be planted in, in rows far enough apart to allow a plow to pass through with the fruit-bearing branches propped up with sticks or perhaps even a trellis. And two times in a year, the, the vines were pruned early in the growing year, February to March. You could see the vine dresser. He would walk between the vines and he would cut back the vines so that they would look like nothing more than some dead sticks. And then again, he would go through and later around in, in August when the vines were filled in with leaves and he would look for, for dead branches or branches that weren't producing any fruit and he would just snip them off, take them out and they would be burned away so that the vines could produce the most fruit possible. Jesus was speaking in a language very well known, very common for those who were hearing and vines and vineyards had a special place in the life of the Israelite because in the Old Testament, they were often compared to a vine or compared to a vineyard. Israel is called a vine transplanted from Egypt to the richer soil of Canaan. That's what we sang about in Psalm 80. And to a vineyard in, in Isaiah 5 and Isaiah 27, again, Israel is compared to a vineyard carefully prepared by God and made ready to produce fruit. You may remember that it says about putting a, a wall around it and a watchtower in the middle. However, the imagery that compared Israel to a vineyard was also often used to Israel, uh, illustrate how Israel failed to produce good fruit that they failed to show thankfulness for, for all the grace that God had shown to them. And so the, the, the passages we read in the Old Testament says that they're compared to a vineyard that was destroyed by the enemies. We even sang about a boar that was ravaging the vines in the middle uh, because they weren't being faithful. In Mark chapter 12, the leaders of the church were called or were pointed out or compared to, to wicked tenants who showed no respect for the owner of the vineyard and who would see the vineyard passed on to others. So you can imagine the surprise of the people who, who were singing Psalm 80, a vine talking about them, the people of God, and, and all of a sudden comes the Lord Jesus and he says, I am the vine. He made a switch. Israel didn't manage to produce fruit of obedience and thankfulness, but Jesus is an obedient son. He is a fruitful vine. He was announcing it is not salvation through Israel anymore, but salvation through a man named Jesus. That means Savior. More important than your connection to the nation of Israel is your connection to Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes on to say, my father is the vine dresser. He's a judge, a judge, a vine dresser. He's looking at every branch. 
He's making a decision about whether to keep the branch or not. If a branch, we read in verse 2, if a branch is not bearing fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. A person is known to God by the fruit that he is producing. So words and promises without fruit are not enough. Won't convince the vine dresser to keep you, keep you there. Boasting about knowing Jesus. A lot of people say, I'm a, I'm a friend of Jesus, or I'm a friend of the gospel, and boast about that, or, or those who even repeat his name many times, but, but don't bear fruit. Well, the words are not enough. That's what we confess as well. The vine dresser will not be swayed by empty words and promises that are pouring forth out of dead wood that is not connected any longer to the vine. He is looking for real, actual fruit, activities, things that you do, things that you say that show that you belong to Jesus Christ. So where is the vine dresser looking to find this fruit? Where does he expect to see it? Does he, does he go to, to the pile of dead wood that is separate from the vine and, and look in there for some grapes? Well, no. Jesus tells us that he is examining the branches that are in him. Look at Jesus' words in verse two. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It does not say he takes away every branch that never knew me. But the starting point is that the branch is in the vine. We see that Jesus is speaking in covenantal language. To be in Christ is to be in the sphere of Christ's work, in the area where, where you hear and you know Christ's promises. To be among the, the children of believers who have been instructed in the most holy faith. He's talking here to Jews who were circumcised, who were brought up in the laws. He's talking to the covenant people. Many people are born with the promises of Christ given to them. Many of them are hearing them as they're, they're growing up. Many have the promise of God's salvation signed and sealed to them. And then God says, you show that you are truly connected to the vine only by the fruits in your life. And the only way for a branch to produce fruit is to remain attached to the vine. And that vine is Jesus Christ. Those who do not remain, abide in Christ, will not produce any fruit, and they will be punished by the Father in heaven exactly because there is no fruit. Jesus Christ alone is the source of life in a person's heart. And the imagery of the vine that Jesus gives us shows us that to be in Christ means to be in a place where we can receive nourishment from Christ, just as a branch receives nourishment from the vine. When we believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior, 
And we trust that he is our only source of life so that we look to him always. Well, this connection, it changes our lives so that we begin to produce fruit. So how do we remain connected? How do we remain attached to Jesus Christ our Lord? What does it look like? What does it mean to be connected to Christ, to be in him? Well, Jesus Christ tells the disciples that they were already clean or pruned because of the word that he had spoken to them. And later in verse 7, he speaks of us abiding in him and his words abiding in us. We see covenant children who are attached to the vine, who abide in Christ Jesus, they have the word of Christ dear to their heart, not just as something to, to put on the shelf and maybe carry around with you, try to look pious by putting it under your arm, not the word outside, but the word in our hearts, something to apply, something to use as a, a tool of, of conviction and cutting, something we read, we study, we pray over. As Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 16, he, he desired it for God's people. He says, a desire that the word of Christ might dwell richly in the hearts of believers. Think about how, what that would look like and what that looks like in your life to have the word of Christ dwelling richly in your lives. And so also the, the lifeblood of the vine, the, the sap, the nourishing sap, Jesus Christ, he enters into our hearts and lives when we do what he says in verses 10 and verse 14, when we obey his commands. And so abide in his love. We too are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ with his, his word dwelling richly in our hearts. And you look at your lives, brothers and sisters, and, and you say, what is, how do I show that? Does his word dwell richly in my heart? Do we read it regularly? Do we memorize portions of it? Do we reflect on the different passages throughout the day? Do you turn to it in, in good times and, and bad? Do you believe with your heart that he is your only Lord so that you turn to him and trust in him even in the difficult times of this life. It's connecting to the vine through the word. In addition to believing the word of Christ and applying it to our lives in grateful union, to, uh, grateful obedience to God, our union with Christ is shown when we then ask the Father for what we want and we receive it from him. He's, the Lord Jesus speaks of that as well and he calls us to, to turn to him in humble and dependent and loving prayer as God's children express their trust and their faith in the salvation and victory of Jesus Christ. And so we, we show our connection to him. We show that he, he dwells in our lives, that he guides us when, when we turn to him in prayer, when we thank him constantly when we praise him for every blessing, when we believe in Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christ leads us to, to follow him 
with joyful thanksgiving. He fills our hearts with that desire to, to praise him constantly. When God grafts his people into Christ and strengthens that faith through the word and prayer that his spirit fills us like nourishing sap entering into a branch that is connected to the trunk and, and so the fruits begin to spring up in our lives. Faith expresses itself in love, Galatians 5 verse 6. And so we love because we want to love. And we worship God because we love God. We love to worship him. And we enrich our neighbor's lives with, with good works done in, in thankfulness for the glory of our heavenly Father who sees this fruit, who is pleased because that is what he made us to do. And the vine dresser looks and he sees that is a good connection to Jesus Christ. You can tell, you can tell by the fruit. Because apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. Brothers and sisters, visitors who may be in our midst today know very well that the Son of God was given the name Jesus because he is the true vine, and only Jesus can save humans who have fallen into sin. He is called Savior because branches that are naturally unable to produce fruit and are destined for the incinerator are able to produce fruit when they are connected to him. He changes what we look like. And Jesus begins with the vineyard. You can see that. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And then he moves on in verse 5 directly to our lives. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. If a man remains, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You have that verse in front of you, verse five? Stare at that. Think about that. Apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. You can do nothing for your salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Well, well what about... What about all those people who serve and worship a different God or who are a part of a different religion? They need to be pointed. They need to be joined to Jesus Christ by true faith. Or they will not be able to produce fruits that are pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Well, what about all those people who, who never knew no connection to Jesus Christ, no salvation. Well, what about those in our midst who claim to serve Jesus Christ but do not live a life with, with, filled with prayers and, and dependence and gratitude? Well, those who do not heed his words and who really cannot show fruits of thankfulness 
that come to those who are connected to Jesus Christ, they need to be joined to him. No branch can bear fruit by itself. When we read these verses, we think, well, I want, I want to be saved. I want to be among the saved. Or, or I want to remain among the saved. And Jesus' instruction then is very clear, brothers and sisters, we can see it. He says, abide in me, remain in me. You are in me, abide in me. Now we all come from different backgrounds. We are all at different stages in our journey. We all have different struggles and temptations. And yet we are all here. We all make our profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And we know that he is pruning our hearts and our lives in a continual process so that we continue to produce more and more fruit. John 15 teaches that there are many who have life from Christ in them but do not produce as much fruit as they should. Many Christians are like bruised reeds and smoldering wicks, they're weak and gasping for spiritual life. But they're greatly hindered by the temptations of the, the world and their own human weaknesses and their own sins. And the promise of John 15 is that God continues to work in our lives. He continues to, to work on the branches to make them stronger. He will not break the bruised reed that is connected to Jesus Christ, but he, he props it up and he brings that person into closer communion with, with Jesus Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, sometimes when we have hard times, we think the solution is to stop going to church, to, to live a little further away from Christ. But it's exactly the opposite. It doesn't help to remove yourself from the worship services. It's the connection to Christ that brings life. The Lord says he will not snuff out a smoking wick, but he, he fans it into flame. He fans into flame the, the embers of life that, that remain in their hearts because they, they still look to Jesus Christ. He is an exceedingly compassionate and gracious God. He is also a God who prunes the lives of those who get distracted by, by many things. And you will notice that, we've all noticed that as, as we follow Jesus Christ, as we increase our connection to him, as we have the Bible open, as we're, we're praying to him and asking him to, to guide and lead us by his word and spirit, we find out what pruning looks like. There are many things we need to cut out and cut out, cut out of our, our lives. You notice that, maybe you find as you're reading the world, you, the, the word, you become overly dependent on your wealth, your land, or your material well-being. That has to be cut out of your life. As our Lord Jesus himself teaches in Matthew 18, verses seven to nine, if something is causing you to sin, he says, just, just cut it off. That makes us think right now. It means, makes us think, what is it that leads me into temptation? What is it that, that creates a distance between me and, and my only Savior, Jesus Christ? Because I want to cut that out. Could it be 
the internet? Could it be the, the wicked pictures, the pornography that, that's found there? The waste of time that it creates in your lives? Maybe it's Netflix. Can't turn off that show. Maybe it's the unbelievers you spend time with. Maybe it's the, the gossip that tends to come up whenever even Christians get together to do an event in our social gatherings. You think about these things and you think again about what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit guides you by the word. He wants that cut out, pruned out of your life so you produce more fruit. And that cutting is painful. But the goal, brothers and sisters, is beautiful. A vine that's producing much fruit to the glory of God. And Jesus teaches, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's to the Father's glory, to show yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Cutting away the dead wood so that you may be more streamlined, more effective in producing good fruit. And the whole picture tells us, brothers and sisters, that every branch, every branch will, will be under the watchful eye of the vine dresser. He is looking for fruit. He is looking for the potential for fruit. As he looks at you, what does, what does he see? Well, if we were standing on our own, we would say nothing. We can't produce enough fruit. But when we hide ourselves in Jesus Christ, and we say, apart from him, I can do nothing. But when we're hidden in him, that's where the fruit is. So what does he see when he looks at you? You could say he sees Jesus Christ. He sees the, the fullness of him. I hide myself in him. I throw myself into, into his work. And when I do that, I receive that nourishment from him, that desire to follow him, to speak to his glory. He sees the, the benefits of Jesus Christ filling our hearts, filling our lives. He will see in ourselves that transformation that's bringing forth many fruits. And as he looks and he sees Christ in you and you in Christ, he can remove the punishing hand. He doesn't need to snip off a branch that is bearing fruit. The father is the vine dresser, the gardener. Jesus Christ is the vine, and you are the branches. Abide in Jesus Christ, and you will produce much fruit. Amen.